together.
Kids, good to see you all here. If you are three to five years old or in grades one to five or anywhere in the middle there, please come on down. Um, we want to uh, send you off to Children's Church and, uh, and Kids Ministries, but first we want to pray, pray a blessing over you. Oh, great to see you all. Come on down, kids. Okay, kids, I also have a quick favor to ask of you, okay? So, children, this morning um, when Pastor Marg, who's my wife, she was leaving for church really early to get everything ready, and Pastor Marg looked at me, and she pointed at me, and she said, don't you dare mention that it's my birthday today. <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said... I hope you have a great morning at church. So here I am. We drove separately, but I would like you to help me with something very quickly. She's right there. Doesn't like attention. Um, so kids, can you help me quickly sing happy birthday before we send you all off? Um, she's, she loves hanging out with you guys. She puts a lot of work into what you do, and I think she'd probably love to hear happy birthday from her favorite people. <laughs> I will lead you out. I've never sang in public before, so this is terrifying. Happy birthday to you. Come on, kids. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Mark. Happy birthday to you. See, that wasn't that bad. Kids, thank you for helping me in that. No, no questions. Um... <laughs> Okay, so we're now going to send you off, but first I want to pray over you. Um, kids, we're excited to see you here today. Um, after I'm done praying, we're going to send you little lights are going to go over there. Kids' church is going to go over there, okay? So I'm going to first pray a blessing over you. And church, feel free to extend a hand of blessing if you'd like to do that as well, to bless these amazing kids and leaders. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can be here, that we have uh, safety, that we have these incredible children uh, here before us. Uh, thank you for the gift of this next generation. Lord, I pray that you will bless them today as they head downstairs uh, to build relationship with each other, uh, with their leaders, and with you, Lord. And I pray that you will find unique ways today and through this coming week to uh, show your incredible love to these kids. Um, make your presence personally felt in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless them. Give them a fun, uh, safe, enjoyable time downstairs. Pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, kids. Grades one to five out there.
Uh, grades, all right, if you're three to five years old, over this way. Okay, well, we are really happy you're here with us today. I'm really happy you're here with us today. And uh, there's a lot of you sitting in the pews here, and there's some people online as well. So if you're new here, if you're a guest, if you're in the, in the service here, if you look on the, the uh, bench in front of you or the chairs in front of you, you'll see a Connect card. And if you're able to fill that out and put it in, I think, over here or over here, um, and I think there m might be at the door. Actually, just bring them here. That's probably where they should go. Um, uh, if you bring it to the info booth, you will receive a gift in the foyer. So scrap what I just said and bring it to the foyer and you'll get a gift. So if you want to secretly drop it in here, you can do that. If you want to bring it into the foyer after the service, you'll get a gift. Uh, we're really excited. And if you're online as well, a visitor online, if you could just drop a comment, where are you at? Where are you watching from? Uh, we want to make sure you feel uh, included and welcomed in our online community as well. Um, a few announcements here. First of all, Christmas Craft Fair. So New Life Women's Connections is hosting a Christmas Craft Fair on November 3rd to 4th to fundraise for their upcoming women's retreat. Uh, lots of different vendors from New Life Congregation coming to sell the things that they've worked very hard to make. Candles, wood science, art, pottery, and a whole lot more. So it'll be hosted here at New Life Church uh, from 5 to 9 on the Friday, that's November 3rd, and 9 a.m., to 1 p.m. on the Saturday, November 4th. So if you could come out to support this women's ministry um, and maybe get some Christmas shopping done in the process, that would be awesome. We'd love to see you there. Um, speaking of women's ministries, uh, the re registration for the women's retreat closes on October 31st. Some of the women who are organizing this uh, will be in the foyer after the service to answer any questions you may have. So again, after the service, head to the foyer and they can help you out. Okay, so I would like to, at this time, invite up Bernie Heising, our church treasurer, to give us a financial update. I was on the board with Bernie for quite a while, and he knows that it's probably best if I sit out of these financial discussions. So, uh, Bernie, I'll let you take it, and I'll come back up. Thanks, Jake. Um, Jake sells himself a little short there, but... Uh because um, I always appreciated his input into the discussions. But uh, um, anyhow, as Jake mentioned, um, I'm, I'm the treasurer for the church. I also currently serve on the board as well. And uh, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an update. Um, um, and leading into that, I just want to reference um, that the sermon series we had last month uh, on love and action. And uh, how our pastors, Nathan and Sean, led us in looking at the four pillars of that. It's experiencing God's love sharing it with everyone, taking action, and meeting people where they are. One of the ways we get to experience God's love, which is the first pillar, is in the way he provides for our financial needs so that we have housing, clothing, food, and the other necessities for living in this world. In response to that, we get to take action, which is the third pillar, and one of the ways we can do that is by giving a portion of God's providence back to kingdom ministry. I'm happy to report that last fiscal year as a church, we experienced uh, God's love, and you're taking action in providing for the finances necessary to operate New Life Church. You may recall that back in the spring of last year, 
we were looking at a significant shortfall in meeting our budget goals. As a board, we're thankful to report that you collectively responded to that need. For the fiscal year, we ended up receiving almost 12,000 more in contributions than we had budgeted for. Uh, in addition, staff and volunteers were disciplined in controlling expenses, and while we're still finalizing the numbers, it looks like we will have a surplus of over 20,000 for the year. So thank you for blessing the Ministry of New Life Church by taking action. This current fiscal year, which started on September 1st, uh, we have an approved budget goal that requires receiving an average of over 70,000 per month, and twice that in December. To date, we are trending below that target. Uh, this is not a point of concern yet, as the variations are typical of, of what I've seen over the years that I've been involved with the finances in New Life Church. As a board, we, true to, we do trust that God will provide, but we also know that provision for our church finances comes from you as members and attendees taking action. So as some of you start planning uh, your year-end giving, we ask that you prayerfully keep new life in mind amongst all the many other worthy kingdom ministries that are looking to be blessed by your gifts. You may also have noticed in the last couple of weeks in our weekly uh, church email, the encourager, uh, an announcement regarding a project to update the flooring in this auditorium. The, the current flooring is still the original flooring from when the church building was uh, first built, and it's looking its age. So based on quotes received, the project to replace the flooring in the auditorium, that's the, uh, the, the vinyl flooring down here and the stair, uh, going up the stairs and in the back there, um, that total cost is, is estimated to be around 75000 and this will be funded from a combination of donations and existing reserves available from donations from prior years. So maintaining our church building is an important part of our ministry at New Life as we value having a facility that looks well-kept and enhances the other ministry we do at New Life. It's also good stewardship to take care of our building. So if you have a heart for keeping our church building well-maintained, would you also prayerfully consider supporting this project with an above-budget donation? Submit this donation via the regular methods shown on the slide uh, behind me and uh, mark it for the Facility Upgrade Fund Auditorium Flooring. If everything works out as planned with suppliers and installers, the upgrade to this flooring should be completed by early December. May God bless you as you continue with your faithful financial support of the ministry at New Life Church, where staff and, and many of you as volunteers endeavor to live out love in action. Thank you for your gifts as they enable us as a church to live out our mission of touching lives with the transforming love of Jesus. Thank you very much, Bernie. Um, today, we're moving into offering talk. Today, we are taking an offering uh, for New Life Missions Fund. New Life supports four missions partner organizations and six missionaries around the world. Um, Hope for Cora is one of our missions partners. Uh, they're hosting an evening for Cora this coming Friday, October 28th. It'll be an evening of excellent cuisine, great conversation, lively auction, and inspirational stories of hope and transformation. I've gone to these before. They're really, really fun and very cool. So tickets are $75 per person as part of the fundraiser and can be purchased on Hope for Cora website or after the service in the foyer. Um, so you can give your offering electronically in the ways listed on the screen, 
or bring it to uh, one of the offering boxes at the front during the fellowship time, which will be coming up soon. Please include your name and gift designation in the, in the memo line if you're doing an e-transfer. So, for example, today it would be um, your name, information, and either New Life Missions Fund, or you can designate it to Facility Upgrade Fund, whatever, wherever you want that to go. Uh, if you could put that in the memo line if you're doing an e-transfer, that would make things a lot easier for us, and we'll know where to assign it. Um, I'm going to pray now for the offering. Lord, we thank you for your providence. We thank you for your deep love for us. Um, we thank you for the ability to gather here in Abbotsford as this group and support uh, your mission work and your plan for this amazing earth around the world. And Lord, we thank you for the organizations and the people we get to support. Um, here in BC, Lord, we thank you that we can partner with uh, amazing organizations like Youth Unlimited, Joshua's House, and Esperanza here in BC. And, and around the world, Lord, we thank you for the work that is happening globally uh, that we get to be a part of. Fernando Trevino, uh, Fred Victory, Eve Pohl uh, with Hope for Cora, the Barnhorn family, and the work in Laure, Honduras. And Lord, there's, there's a lot of need and there's a lot of, um, a lot of hurt in this world, but we're just so thankful for the people and the organizations that are doing such incredible work uh, to be your hands and feet in truly tangible ways uh, here locally and also globally. And Lord, we pray that you will uh, take this offering and that you will be blessed and pleased by it, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so now we are going to take a three-minute fellowship time. During this time, uh, you can stand up, stretch out, say hi to people around you. You can grab a coffee if you'd like. Um, you can bring your offering down as well. And if you need any icebreaker questions, you can, we're talking about the flooring in here. You can play a game. Guess what year the carpet last got installed in this church. Um, anyways, good morning, good to see you, and let's start the three-minute fellowship time.
And he hears us, the sound of the saints From the lips of those you saved A redemption song will rise Every tongue, every tribe, hear the church, your bride Anybody, what year was the flooring laid in this facility? What was the last time? Pardon? 94? That sounds about right? 94, 95? Something like that? Ed, do you know? Early 90s. Okay, that's safe. Right on. Well, here at New Life, we're looking... Um, at Jesus and what he teaches us about hospitality. And we've been doing so all through the book of Luke. Um, And we're in week three of eight. Pastor Bruce uh, uh, preached the first week, and then Shaolang last week, and myself, Mike Vanderquack, this week. And each time we're looking at an interaction Jesus had with people that involved food. Uh, We're entitling the series, At the Table. Uh, This morning, we're going to look at Jesus who demonstrated just a remarkable uh, act of hospitality, how he shared a meal through an extraordinary, miraculous uh, provision for 5,000 in the book of Luke chapter 9. In this profound act of hospitality, he welcomed um, into his presence And he shows that he cares, and he provides, um, and he did so with just the simplest and rawest setting. Uh, His ministry of of hospitality um, that we're all called to, and is sometimes the most powerful when there's very little to offer others. Uh, When we feel helpless, and we are faced with needs so enormous that we are just drawn to him to provide. Sometimes uh, we'll see through this that the most remarkable things happen when we have the least in front of us. Uh, This sermon this morning is called His Strength, Our Mission. Uh, Now, on TikTok, there's this guy who goes around in New York City and he asks random people walking by, uh, what do you do for a living? And best part of your job. Now, I know none of you have ever seen that before, but 
Uh, so someone walks by and he picks them out. Hey, you, what do you do for a living? And the guy's like, um, I'm a hedge fund manager. Best part of your job, um, meeting new people. Or he'll come up to someone else and say, uh, you know, what do you do for a living? And they look up, kind of caught, well, I'm a, I'm a model. What's the best part of your job? Travel. Okay, so it's kind of this ongoing series. It's kind of interesting. Uh, but I imagine if he would kind of, if he would find some guy and say, and it was Jesus, what do you do for a living? And Jesus would say, um, I defeat evil. And then the guy would say, best part of your job, seeing my followers do the same. Or if you would uh, come up to someone who was a Jesus follower and say, what do you do for a living? Uh, well, I follow Jesus. Best part of your job, uh, well, seeing Jesus work through me. You know, this is, now you got a little look inside my brain how that all works. But anyways, we want to get into this question this morning of Jesus and his followers and how he works through them. And this story of the feeding of 5,000 will take us right there. And I think what is so interesting about this particular passage and this miracle is the only, this is, the, I think, the only miracle that is talked about in all four of the Gospels. It carries a bit of weight because of that frequency. There's something important here for us. So let's pray together, and then we'll read the passage, and we'll get into it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we approach you this morning. We pray for peace, not only in our hearts, but in the world today. We pray for your shalom to reign, for your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. This morning, open our ears so that we can understand and open our eyes so we can perceive what you are calling us to and how you work in and through us. Meet each person this morning where they're at, we pray. And open your word to us. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 9, we're going to read verses 10 to 17. You can follow along with us. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Later in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there also. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The very words of God. Let's, this morning, walk through this passage together, all right? And we'll draw out some of the truths that are present. And I believe it'll impact you both now and will help you down the road. And we'll close with a recent version of this story and then end in in prayer. Let's start in right away in verse 10. It says, when the apostles returned. 
And we're in the middle of what a sequence of things here. In our passage that Pastor Nathan gave to me and said, Mike, could you preach on this? Starts at verse 10, but we're part of a bigger picture here, bigger part of the story. The question is, where did the apostles return from? What just happened? Well, if we go up a few verses in verses 1 and 2, it says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So we're in the midst of getting an insight into how Jesus is training and preparing his 12 disciples or apostles. And he gives them power and his authority. And he says, now you go out, uh, preach the good news, heal diseases, cast out demons, And miracles and deliverances and good news were proclaimed. And it was a remarkable, remarkable uh, time for not only the disciples to be involved in this, but for the people who received so powerfully from them, actually the power of Jesus. Now, the word gets out. So the shopkeepers and the school kids and the moms and dads, they hear about it, all the grassroots But it starts to filter up to people of power and people in authority. And in verse 7, it says, But Herod the Tetrarch heard about all what was going on, and he was perplexed. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. So Herod the Tetrarch, which is one of the sons of Herod the Great, uh, he ruled over Galilee, this area that included Bethsaida. um, And he wants to know. Who is this Jesus and what is going on? And it actually says he tried to go find him and see him. Now, this question, who is Jesus and what is Jesus like? That is the question that just rattles right through all of history. And if we quiet our hearts, we'll see it in our own hearts as well. So Luke, the writer, he goes about to answer this question. He sets us up by saying, Herod wants to know who is this Jesus And now he's going to tell us. And he does it through this story of 5,000. So that's the setup. Let's go into verse 10 again. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. So the disciples were immersed in the life of the direct power of God. Jesus gave them power and authority. So when they prayed for people who were sick, they were healed. When they shared the good news, it was received with open hearts. And when they came face to face with dark powers, they delivered people from demons. And the scope of it was shown in Luke chapter 9, verse 6. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. They're they're going from place to place and all around that area, the northern part of the Galilee, and bringing the good news of Jesus, the demonstration of power and authority, and they're healing people everywhere. And then their, their trip is finished. And they come back, and now they're with Jesus. And this training that they've received 
you know, they're traveling and they're praying for people. I would imagine they found it both exhilarating but also exhausting. But now they're sitting down with Jesus and, and, and they're debriefing. They're, they're, well, this is what happened. And, and they're decompressing and they're just sitting there in their much needed time of rest after a very intense time of ministry. But it doesn't last long. And here we learn how much Jesus cares for people through a a powerful act of hospitality. Verse 11. But the crowds learned of it, and they followed him. Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. The people needed more of Jesus, and they were hungry, and they followed him. And, And more people with needs, and more people with questions, and more people who need deliverance, you know, it just seemed like no end. But here we see Jesus. Welcome. Welcome. Glad you came. So amazing that you're here. Thank you for coming. Let me tell you about something that's really amazing. About the kingdom of God and how he brings rest to the weary. How he brings healing to the sick. How he lifts burdens of sin. And the darkness is dissipated by the light. And he goes on and on. So this is an incredible act of hosting people together. And we see how much Jesus cares for people. And this goes on throughout the day. And then in verse 12, it says, later in the afternoon, so I would think like four, three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. So it's kind of like the visit is over, right? Um, And the disciples, I would imagine, are used to taking care of everyday logistics and uh, are noticing it's close to dinner. You know, these people are all in a dusty field. It's hot, and they have needs. They need to get food. They need to lay down and sleep, they need a place, but they're, they've traveled and they're a long ways away. So now is the time. It's not too late. Let's, let's uh, you know, end this moment of hospitality and send them off. It's practical, actually. It's reasonable. Um, maybe they've gone a little bit longer than what, you know, they're comfortable with. Have you ever had someone come over to your house and they stay just a little bit too long a little bit? Right? And you're trying to send cues, and you, and you, you know, so eventually you go, you stand up and you go, well, that was great. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Could you leave now? No, but uh, we were at a friend's place. We were at their house, actually. And we were, I thought we were having a great time, like, and it was going well. Um, and I don't pick up social cues very well. But at some point, my friend, he gets up, and we're at his house, and he goes, yeah, that was great. And then he goes into the closet, gets his coat, puts his shoes on, and goes out the front door. (laughs) We stayed that long that he forgot he was at his place. (laughs) So here we are. The visit with Jesus is over, apparently. But now, something remarkable happens and unexpected. Verse 13, Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. 
And they answered, you know, well, okay. Um, and they're used to taking orders from Jesus. And they're like, okay, all right, so what do we got here, guys? Uh, we, got, we got five loaves, two fish, great. Uh, let me think, it's brainstorm here. Well, we could go into town. That's too far. And uh, verse 14 says there's about 5,000 men were there. Um, 5,000 men. And I wonder what that symbolizes for how many people were actually there. And I asked a biblical scholar this morning uh, how many people they thought, this person actually thought were there. 5,000 and the biblical scholar said to me, a lot more than 5,000. So there's, this is like a small city that we we're talking about. And they're like, maybe we could go into town and pick up some food and help feed you know, this small town that's now in front of us. Well, think through the logistics of all that. How would you, would that small town have enough spare food? And how would you get it over? It's like the brain just goes in overdrive. It's, and at some point, they have to realize that there's no options. Jesus is asking them to do something that's impossible. Have you ever been there? Have you ever sensed him asking you to do something? And you think through everything involved, and it's like, I got nothing. It's impossible. For them, we can't feed 5,000 minimum people dinner. There's just five loaves and a couple of fish. And at the very bottom of this question is, can Jesus be trusted? If he's going to ask you to do something and you think, and you know this is impossible, can you trust him? That's what's at the bottom of this. Now, this whole situation is reminiscent of another time in the Bible that you might be thinking about much earlier when a large group of people needed food. Think back to the time of Moses, okay, with the Israelites in the desert. And what's so interesting is this feeding of the 5,000 with Jesus is also happening at the time of the Passover, So Moses, the deliverance of God's people, are on everyone's minds right now. Anyways, when the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt, they were on their own in the desert, and at some point they ran out of food and drink. What could produce more insecurity than the prospect of starvation? Talk about vulnerable. They cried out to God for help. And in response, God provided them with something very special called manna. And God gave this to them. Every morning it would come down, the biblical story says from heaven, would come on the ground and it'd be like little fluffy flakes of bread. Every morning. And God told them, just gather enough for one day because, trust me, tomorrow there will be manna again. Don't take too much and think, oh, I got to get enough because maybe tomorrow it won't be there. No, no, God says, every morning, trust me, it'll be there. Uh, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. That is a prayer of trust. God's faithfulness in this story was clear. He kept giving them manna day after day throughout their journey in the desert, showing that he could be trusted, that he was a God who cared for people. Now, here we are with Jesus in front of this large group of people, feeding of 5,000 plus, led at one more time 
to a profound moment of teaching. Jesus could be trusted. He cares for people. He takes care of them. But now, in the time of Jesus, it's different. How God works and provides for people is different. Then God rained manna down from heaven directly, and people went out and got it themselves. Now, Jesus says to his disciples, you feed them. See the difference? It was direct God's hand to people. Now it's Jesus saying to his followers, you do it. I'm going to provide for this crowd, says Jesus, but I'm going to do it through you. You're going to be a conduit of my power and my love, and I want you to do the ministry of caring for people from now on, and it's going to be on my power and authority working through you. Jesus is at work, and you'll see it through others. That's how it goes today. He works through people like you and I. It's a massive shift in how God works and accomplishes his mission today. He works, yes, but he does it through his followers. And he cares for people. He's trustworthy. And we see that through the hands and feet of others. Okay, so verse 14. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Okay, notice the emphasis on bread. Very, no mention of fish. Fish are a bit of an afterthought. Five loaves, two fish. There's, there's also no focus on the how of the miracle. Uh, presumably, it trans- transpired as the food was distributed, but there's no focus or on the glamour or the sensation of it. And it doesn't even mention that the crowd knew that a miracle had happened, although it's very clear that the disciples knew it did. And we started with five loaves and two fish, and he fed 5,000-plus people with all of that. And there were 12 baskets left over. The crowd had food. The disciples had food. And there was leftovers. Remarkable. And we see that Jesus works through you and I. Now, how does this play out? How does this theory play out in this story? And what can we learn from it? Well, the first thing we notice is that In spiritual matters, like hospitality or in others, we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And he taught us that in John 15, verse 5. He says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He said to his disciples, you give them something to eat. It's not, uh, uh, don't bug me, I'm too busy. But here my followers, is an amazing need. I've been teaching you. I've been training you. Now the next step is to trust me. I'm going to ask you to do something that you can't. And this is real because apart from Jesus, we're unable to do anything meaningful. And that's why there is so much in Scripture that teaches us about our hearts and our, our posture of humility, 
of meekness, about living a surrendered life. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, we read. The proud says, I can do it. The humble says, I'm nothing without Jesus. The second thing we see is Jesus' strength, his power and authority, is brought to our weakness so we can serve others. And what we see is that Jesus works through you and I, but we can't do anything without him. And we're reminded in that moment that those that are insufficient becomes all of a sudden sufficient. In the hands of Jesus, the loaves become all of a sudden not only enough, but abundant. There's excess there. The loaves become a feast and feed an entire city. Jesus Christ says, my power comes through you. And when we can't do it, when we realize how weak and the limit of resources we have, he asks us to do it. Feed the 5,000. But you say you can't. And, you, and he hears all the reasons why you can't. And he says, you're right. You can't. But do it. You can't. He says, you do it. You feed them. Trust me, he says, to work through you. What is he asking you today that is impossible, that you can't do, that is just beyond your resources, your abilities, anything you've ever done? What is he asking you today? And you say, you can't. And he says, perfect. Now go do it. In the hands of Jesus, the insignificant becomes enough. In the hands of Jesus, not enough becomes just enough. That's the message he gives us here today. And the third thing we see about how he works through us is that even though we are helpless and weak, we can't do anything without him, God usually gives something small, something around us to work with or work through. For them, it was five loaves and two fish, just regular everyday stuff, just little things. Um, Think about Moses. When he went to Pharaoh, uh, facing great power, Moses had nothing, and he walked up, and he had a staff in his hand, a walking stick. God used a walking stick, worked through it to deliver his people from Pharaoh, a piece of wood. Um, David, when he went up against Goliath, what did he have? He's like, I got some stones, I got a sling, just small, small things. Yet God used those to bring down a massive giant. What do you have that if you offered it to Jesus, could be used for something big. He'd used a, a, a few loaves of bread. He used a stick, um, a sling with a few stones. What has God given you that he'll use for a miracle? Place it in Jesus' hands. This story reminds us that God is not limited by what we don't have, by our inadequacies, by what we haven't done yet. He's not limited by those things. He's looking to see people who have surrendered hearts and will trust him. Uh, About 15 years ago, uh, when I was a pastor at Heartland Fellowship in Chilliwack, 
uh, we had a youth mission team go south down the Baja of Mexico in the San Quentin Valley to meet the poorest of the poor. We were joining up there with the mission that we were all excited. And when we got there, this team of about 15 youth, uh, we built a house, a very basic house for a family. Um, it was a young team, but they worked hard, and I was proud of how they were pouring themselves out day after day to serve and to care for people. Prior to that, they had fundraised, they had prayed for about 12 months for this mission, and now here they were, far from home, in the heat of Mexico, helping people. They prayed and worked, sun up to sundown, day after day. And we were asked at the very end of our trip, we had one extra day, if we wanted to go share the gospel to some children in a, in a farm camp in the hills not far from where we were. And it would mean preparing uh, some food, a little bit of uh, some skits and some games, um, and spend some time with f- some farm worker children. Well, we didn't really understand it all, but our team, though, they were tired. They were sunburnt, probably wanting a beach day more than another day out in the field. Um, we didn't know the context, but they said yes. And they prepared a cooler of, of sandwiches. They got some juice. And we started the next morning early, traveled about an hour on a remote, dusty Mexican road. And when the vehicle slowed down, I looked up and I saw uh, piles of discarded PVC pipe left over from farm uh, practices, uh, just piles of white plastic, cardboard, just strewn about. And then I looked a little bit more, and there was makeshift shelters all over that people were living in from this discarded um, farm equipment. It looked rough. Wow. And then on the hillside, these temporary tents were all there, and around them were kids, lots of kids. And it was chaos. Chickens running around, stray dogs, garbage piles on fire, and kids, lots of kids, without shoes, dirty clothes, now running towards our vehicles. Our youth team got out, got to work right away, playing with the kids, um, bridging that language gap very well. Uh, I saw one group share the gospel through some game and skit they had. And we were going along, and we soon learned that the kids didn't have any breakfast. They were hungry. This is their daily routine. So we set up some tables and brought out our coolers with sandwiches and juice. And I looked up at the crowd of kids, and their moms were there too with kids on the back. And I looked at the cooler of sandwiches, and I had a sick feeling in my stomach. I thought, we don't have enough. There's not nearly enough here to feed these kids. And I also realized that my 15 teenagers uh, needed to get fed too. So here were 15 teenagers, a crowd of hungry children and their mothers, and we only had one cooler full of sandwiches. We were too far from town to go back, and everything was happening fast, and the hungry kids were pressing in, and our team was struggling to control the situation. So we just launched in. I, I tried to quiet the group, I said a prayer of thanks, and at the end, asked Jesus to multiply what we had to meet the needs of these people, kind of a quick and hurried prayer. And right when I said amen, I was pulled away for something. I can't remember what it was, 
But after 10 minutes, I came back and turned, and I was confused by what I saw, actually, that my teenagers were eating sandwiches, uh, which was confusing because I thought they would feed the children first, right? Um, didn't make sense to me. And then I walked over to the cooler, and I looked inside, and there were still sandwiches in there. I was like, it just wasn't connecting. Um, and then one of my leaders asked if I wanted a sandwich. And then I just looked around a little bit more, and the kids that were there and the moms, they all had a sandwich in their hands. All of them. They were either chewing or holding it. And I, I realized that this small cooler of sandwiches fed a large group of hungry children, our whole youth mission team, and there were sandwiches left over. It, it took me a bit for me to realize that I was standing right in the middle of a miracle. And tears came to my eyes, and I thought, wow, it's incredible how Jesus cares for these kids. We needed to come and, and be just a small part of that day for them. And we realized that even though we were tired and out of sandwiches, he could be trusted. And even though we had very little, he worked through what we had. His power applied to care for those children. So who is this Jesus and what's our part? He welcomes people. He's a hospitable God. He cares for their everyday needs, and he does so by using you and me and others. And when we're at our end, when we're helpless, when we're tired, when we're weak, we want to dismiss everyone, there's a miracle that can happen. He multiplies what is there. And friends, this is who Jesus is and how he works through us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for your word that teaches us who you are and how we, are fo- we your followers, um, can trust you with the mission you've given us and that you're a caring and trusting God. Help us to take steps towards your mission today. Help us to trust you Um, And let us all rejoice when we see uh, needs being cared for and children happy. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Would you stand with us and sing?
there's a blessing in scripture that began with Moses and was given to people then and was uh, given to people of Jesus' time and was given and is given to believers all through 